I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and we offer these video Bible study sessions. And we are here to continue our practice of Bible study today in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8 and the following verses. Paul wrote these instructions from God to Timothy for all of us to read today. A lot of this has to do with the work of an evangelist and a section about elders. But as we read Timothy's mail, all of us come away with truth we need to apply to our lives. I'm going to continue with some reading this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. I'm going to read first from the New International Version, and then after that, the English Standard Version. Paul said to Timothy, Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearl or expensive clothing, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in love, faith, and holiness with propriety. Now let me read from the English Standard Version, the same passage, 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 12. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness with full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. That's our passage. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15. The direction Paul gives in this passage may certainly be hard for many modern people to take in or to agree with if there is in their heart no commitment to Bible truth. 
Likewise, for people who live sort on the margins of obedient faith, this may be controversial, but I don't think those of us here in this class have any issues with what Paul wrote here. This is really not difficult. There is instruction for men, followed by instruction for women. From God now, instruction for men, and then instruction for women. Not everything for women and men is written the same. And not everything about men and women is written in just these verses. But apparently these matters needed some attention by men and women. And here is how simple this is. Timothy is to give direction to men and to women, different genders. Now, this is written right on the page in front of us. It says, the men should. And then it says, the women should. That's just pretty elementary, isn't it, so far? Men, Paul wrote to Timothy, we should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Can women pray? Of course they can. They should. Other passages tell us every Christian, male or female, has access to God to pray through Jesus Christ, our mediator. In the opening verses of this chapter, Paul said that Christians are to pray. So there is no contradiction. It is just that in verse 8, Paul is addressing men. I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger and quarreling. The expression lifting holy hands, especially in Jewish culture, was synonymous with praying. It was sort of like today a man will say, bow with me. Bowing is not a requirement, nor is lifting holy hands a requirement, but these phrases became synonymous with praying. The necessary posture for effective prayer is really internal, not external. Thus, in this verse, men are to pray without anger or quarreling. This is really simple. And this point about women and their dress is made likewise in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. Listen, please. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight 
is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. That passage goes along so well with what Paul is talking about, about how godly women exhibit themselves or present themselves in the community. Later, we'll talk more about this just briefly, but I want to move now to verses 11 and 12. Verses 11 and 12. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Perhaps it will help guide us through this to state at the outset that the context here is about spiritual matters. The whole chapter 2 is about spiritual matters, praying, exhibiting godliness in the way you dress. You should not grab a phrase or two out of this passage and issue a gag order against any woman in any kind of a context, but with reference to the matters under consideration here. And as further instructed in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 3, and Ephesians 5, women are to further exhibit their modesty through learning quietly and not exercising authority over men. Now, how the world reacts to this cannot influence us because we are Bible believers, Bible students, and we take this as being from God and worthy of our faith and practice. There are people very close to us and our families and workplaces who consider this teaching to be way out of sync with modern times, as if modern times has a standard that is so great and concrete. But there are people who just don't like what the Bible says about these matters. The headship of the husband, the role of women taught in the New Testament with respect to the local church and our assemblies, the spiritual matters under consideration here. This teaching is just dismissed by the world, but not by Christians. Finally, in verses 13 through 15, a very interesting statement. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one who was deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Well, this passage is another that may be immediately rejected by our culture. This is one of those cases where people are tempted to read the Word of God and then say, well, I just don't like that. 
<coughs> this was not written for us to read it and make a judgment about it, scrutinize it, edit it, and put a spin on it. This is what the Word of God says. And if we are Christians, we believe it, period. Now, there can be no dispute about verse 13 and what it says. Adam was formed first, then Eve. This is the clear statement of the historical fact of the sequence, the order of creation. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Now, verse 14 also states a historical fact. And you can go back and read this in Genesis, that Eve was deceived by the serpent. Then she approached her husband, Adam. Now, whether people like this or not is not the point. The point is, this is the way it was. These are historical facts. Adam was formed first. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. She fell into transgression through the deceitful devices of the serpent, and then Adam just did what his wife said. That's history. Of course, in spite of who sinned first, both were guilty. Both suffered consequences. The New King James says, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. I think Paul reasons from a specific woman, Eve, who was the first woman, to women in general. She, Eve, was deceived. Nevertheless, she, women in general, will be saved by childbearing. What Eve did, women in general can be redeemed from by being what God wants them to be to the full extent of their ability and circumstance. Perhaps I take a particular view of this, but my own study and thinking leads me to this conclusion. In verse 14, there is the expression, the woman. That is a specific woman, Eve, who was deceived. In verse 15, if they continue in faith and love. So what one woman did, women in general can be saved from, if they will be the kind of women God wants them to be. The message to all women is you don't have to make the mistake Eve made. You don't have to be deceived if you will continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. The message to Christian women in this passage is dress modestly, which is proper for women professing godliness with good works, be in submission, do not assume authority over men, be the kind of person you ought to be as a wife or a mother of just a good person, continuing in faith and love. What Eve did, women in general can be redeemed from by being what God wants them to be. Uh, does this passage absolutely require that every woman must bear children? I don't think so. There is no basis to draw that conclusion. But generally speaking, in the order of things, 
women can escape the mistake Eve made by being what they ought to be before God in every way that they are able. I have a couple of wrap-ups I want to take us to. Just a couple of wrap-ups I'll take us to. I want us to remember that this is from God through Paul to Timothy for us. The main idea is that men and women have been assigned different roles in keeping with creation precedent and the inherent differences between the sexes. Eve's mistake is redeemed by the childbearing assignment that God has given to women. Well, that's our study, and I hope you'll read it over again. Next time, we're going to go back into uh, 1 Timothy again, and if you're in our Zoom class, Sunday night, the discussion will be, what should men pray in what places? Or I should say, men should pray in what places? Women should fill that blank out. What is the emphasis for women? And in verse 12, is verse 12 widely practiced today? These are some things I want you to think about before we continue in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Thank you for being with us.